Good morning. How are you all? I'm doing well too. So we're uh, at the end of a journey that we all committed to go on. I remember seven weeks ago, we uh, uh, embarked on a journey to go through the letter of Colossians, the the letter written to the church in Colossae, where where Paul uh, most likely never visited. And we started out and really been talking about this idea of, of, uh, what do you expect in our faith? And, and really talking about connections. And uh, the first week we talked a little bit about Epaphras, who, who uh, was the church planner in, in Colossae and had, had, was with Paul and, and was telling Paul about all the encouraging things and some of the not so encouraging things that were happening in the church in Colossae. And, and we've been going through this letter, and last week, uh, Dan was talking about praying and praying in earnest, and, and now we come to the close of this letter where, where um, Paul, Paul is really just uh, talking about different people who all of us in this room were connected by, were connected spiritually by, we've been impacted by these people, but we're also connected just kind of, of where we are in our faith journey. Now, before we jump into Scripture, I want to tell you guys um, a little bit about my, uh, my, uh, where, I, where I grew up. Where I grew up in, in Southern California, in my parents' home, my parents' home had a whole lot of different fruit trees. They had a pomegranate tree and a kumquat tree, fig, orange, plum, grapefruit, lemon, and even a peach tree. Uh, uh, just to name a few, we even had sort of uh, a guacamole tree. It was technically our neighbor's guacamole tree, but it would grow over into our airspace. So those uh, little guacamole berries would uh, be ours for the ours for the taking. So we were able to reap uh, some of the benefit of what they would do. But one thing that all of these fruit trees had in common was that uh, the, the easiest fruit to get was the first fruit that was picked, right? The low-hanging fruit. And, you know, you just, uh, one of the most wonderful things about growing up uh, in, my, in my parents' home was, you know, you could just walk out the, out the back door during uh, the season and you could go and just grab an orange and, and, and peel it and, and eat it and it was delicious or, or a plum or, or, you know, get a big old grapefruit and, you know, cut it in half and put a ton of sugar on it, you know, I know, but it was pretty sour or, you know, tart and everything for a young man's taste, needed a little sugar. And, uh, but now I'm sweet enough, I don't need any sugar. Boo! Oh, oh boy, I got some worse jokes than that coming. Just you wait. So, so we, uh, uh, you know, we would go out, and ed- inevitably, uh, uh, people, you know, down around the fruit season uh, would just, you know, happen to stop by to say hi with empty baskets, you know. And my parents were very generous, and they would be very generous with our, our bounty of fruit with friends and neighbors and employees, and, and people would come and, and get uh, this fruit. And what happened, of course, was the, the low-hanging fruit would always go first, right? 
you know, this, these, you know, a lot of these trees were really, really quite large. And so people would come and just get the easy ones and they'd fill up their basket and, you know, we'd go out and we'd just pick the low-hanging fruit. Well, after a while, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit got kind of barren. So, which usually wasn't a big deal for me, you know, um, I was taller uh, than most and so I could get that and when I, then I couldn't reach, I could jump a little bit. And then when my vertical leap failed me, uh, I would get a rake and I would go and I would just, uh, you know, start plucking the fruit that way and just, and just pulling down. And then, you know, when the, the rake uh, didn't prove fruitful anymore. All right. Thank you, thank you. I actually, I, I, I got to tell you that it's not my fault. You know, we're all victims, right? And I'm a victim of bad jokes because my father uh, is a bluegrass musician, and part of bluegrass is just bad jokes. So genetically, <laughs> I'm indisposed to, to, you know, just, you know, these, these jokes that I know everybody's going to grumble at, but I just, I have to do it. It's like a sickness. But, but okay, so we're going along and, you know, and after that, you know, that wouldn't work anymore. You would have to get out a ladder or, you know, you know, do your best uh, Zacchaeus, you know, imitation and climb the, and climb the tree and get the fruit. And one thing that I realized about fruit on top of the tree, it was no less sweet or no more sweet than the, the low-hanging fruit. It was just harder to get to. And here at the close of, of uh, Colossians, the letter to Colossae, uh, it's, it's some pretty high-hanging fruit. And uh, I'm going to ask you guys today to get out your, your spiritual rakes. Actually, you're probably going to have to get out your spiritual ladders and we're going to have to climb up this tree. And, and um, I think a lot of times in Scripture, uh, uh, like we're going to cover today, that we have a tendency just to skip over it. But there's a problem when we, we do that. One, we made a commitment we were going to go through this letter and ask God to illuminate uh, to us everything that He has for us. But also... Uh, the problem when we skip over Scripture is that we're told by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, what Paul doesn't say is that all Scripture is easy to get, or it's easily accessible or easy to apply to your life. No, you know what? Some Scripture is very difficult. Some Scripture, we have to get our spiritual ladders, and we got to climb up, and, you know, you have to maneuver around, you know, some barriers and able to get that sweet fruit. And, and today, you know, is as... Uh, as we climb this tree, that, that you know what? It, it's not low-hanging fruit, and I understand that. And, but we're going to we're gonna have to do a little bit of work to, to get beyond, because we're going to be talking about people that we've never met. And we're going to be talking about places that most of us have never gone. But it doesn't change the fact that all Scripture is God-breathed and, and, and useful for teaching. And 
We are told that, that God's word will not return void. And even though, you know, today is probably, you know, not, you know, just easily accessible, I wholeheartedly believe that, that this, these words today can impact our lives every bit as much as John 3.16 or some of the other scripture that we so readily love. Having said all that, let me uh, pray and just ask God to prepare our hearts and our minds as we, as we climb uh, the tree and we just try to grab on to some just spiritual fruit today. Dear God, just um, thank you so much for preserving this letter in its entirety. God, I just pray as we look at these names and places that it won't be just boring history, but we will be able to see our heritage, that we can see men and women who were faithful to you and didn't know the end of the story, but were still but that still relentlessly pursued you and were obedient with what you called them to do. God, I just pray that we can see ourselves in this story, that we will be able to look at some of the, the successes and some of the failures of, of these men and women, and that, that we will be able to be encouraged or warned of the path that we may be on. God, I just ultimately just ask you to be here and just to just cover us in your love. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you open up your Bibles to Colossians uh, chapter 4, and we're right at the end, Paul's closing out the letter and really not giving any major instruction, uh, but but just kind of wrapping up and just, you know, just like we would in a letter like, hey, so-and-so says hi and this and that. And that's basically what's, what's going on. What we're going to do is going to read through this. You know, there's a, there's a lot of names and they're, and they're you know, funky names. And, you know, nobody here has probably called any, any of these names. I spent quite a time, a uh, long time with my, my Greek pronunciation software this week. And uh, uh, so what I'm going to do is pronounce it with confidence, but uh, I, I'm not, I wouldn't go out to, you know, your, your local Greek, you know, university and start, you know, spouting out how, how I said it. But the reality is you don't know how to pronounce it either. I just, I, I got the short in the stick and I have to do it in front of you all. So I'm just going to do it. So here, here I, I, I'll do my best. That's all I can do. It's my best offering. So here we go. Verse 7. Uh, Tychikos was, uh, will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose to let you know how we are doing, and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychikos will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. 
as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he ever comes your way. That's very important. (laughs) Jesus, the one they called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, remember him? A member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, the, the writer of the gospel according to Luke, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you've read this letter, pass it on to the church in Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. And then he closes the letter in verse 18 in his own handwriting. Uh, he, Paul was, uh, couldn't see very well, so uh, people would write for him. He would, he would dictate it. But here in his own writing, and usually in your Bible, when Paul writes, they'll do it all in caps. I imagine his own handwriting was quite big. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. So here we have a lot of names, right? And we have a lot of places, and you know we've probably not been there, and we don't know these people. But here's the connection. Here, here's the connection point, and, and I'm not really talking about the sovereignty of God. I'm just talking about the faithfulness of His people right now. So don't try to, I'm not trying to make a, a, a theological statement here. But, but these people were the people that, would, that were with Paul as he wrote these letters that we hold now in our New Testament. These were the people that transported them to the churches. These are the people who preserved the gospel. These are the people who planted the churches. These are the people who who told others about Jesus. These are the people that we're going to be talking about today that, that, you know, are responsible. They weren't the authors, but they are responsible for the New Testament, part of the New Testament that we hold in our hands. They they are responsible uh, through connections that we are all meeting here today. And their story is actually our story. So let, let's start out with uh, Tychikos and uh, uh, Omisios um, and, and who, these, who these two were. Well, Tychikos was one of the believers who uh, accompanied Paul on on his trips. And he actually accompanied Paul when he went to Jerusalem. And if you remember in Acts where he was collecting the offering and and uh, Tychikos was the one who was with him when they did that. 
He also served as a courier for the prison uh, letters that that he was a courier for Philemon and 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 Colossians and and uh, uh, Ephesians and all of these these letters that Paul wrote in prison. Paul mentions him twice in in other letters and and evidently uh, they were very very close. In fact, uh, you know when you're writing letters and everything. I don't know. If, you know, when you're writing, uh, if it's this way for you as it is with me, when I'm writing, I seem to use words that are more expressive of how I feel about you. Like, I may, I may call you, you know, say something in, a, in an email or a letter or something like uh, Paul does here, beloved brother. I, I may do something like that. I just say, you know, like, you know, like my brother uh, at home, like I call my lovely brother or, or something like that. I probably wouldn't do that to his, his face. But, but, but in, in writing, you know, just kind of more expressive. And, and especially... Uh, Paul's writing to a church, right? So if I was writing a letter and writing, writing a letter of recommendation, you know, for you or something that you were going to another church. In fact, you know, I just uh, wrote one for Sydney as she's uh, looking to go to Hillsongs in, in Australia, Sydney, Australia. And, uh, you know, there, there's things, you know, that, that I would write on her behalf that I wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, just kind of like say to her. It's just kind of how we do things, right? Well, he's here preserving and letting people know that, hey, you know what? Tychicus, Tychicus, sorry, <laughs> is, is a very dear brother of mine. And this is somebody who, when he's delivering this letter, to know that, that he has been faithful along my side. And, you know, there are people like that in the, in the church, that not everybody's been called to the center mic. Not everybody has been called to, you know, write books or to be a pastor, uh, but, but we've all been uh, called to be, you know, these kind of just beloved workers uh, and beloved people who are, who are part of the church because we all make it work and we all make it happen. And it is the, uh, it is the, the Tai Chicos um, that of this world of the of the church that holds everything together and makes makes it all work. The next person that he's talking about, um, and I, I've categorized each one of these as kind of like different people, and I categorize these two as the helpers. Is the next one is Onesimos, and Onesimos has an interesting story that. Onesimus was a, is a, was a runaway slave, and uh, he had actually robbed his master, then, then ran away. And he encountered Paul, and Paul led him to the Lord. Kind of an interesting story, right? And actually, the letter Philemon is, is uh, Paul writing back to Philemon, who was the master of, of Onesimus, and, and saying, hey, you know what? You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ, Philemon. And now Onesimus is a, is a follower of Christ. And no longer, you know, there's no longer this master and slave relationship. That you guys are equal in Christ. And he wrote this letter and, and told him to, to go back and... Uh, 
And he asked Philemon to, to receive Omicius back as, as a brother and told him that, hey, if there's any debt that he has to you, then charge it to my account. Now, it kind of sounds familiar as we're leading toward the cross, right? As, as, you know, Paul as a follower of Christ saying, you know what? If he has a debt, I will pay it because he has no way to pay it back himself. It's the same story that Christ did for us on the cross, which we'll talk more about on Good Friday. We continue on, and, and, and the next people are these people who are imprisoned. And, and uh, there's two people that he mentions who is imprisoned with them. There is Aristarchos, and there's Mark, um, the cousin of Barnabas. And, and really, Aristarchos is, is this uh, companion of the apostle uh, 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 Paul. In fact, he, he's not the first martyr, but, but he is one of the first Christians to get beat up by the mob because of his, his faith. He's, he's mentioned in Acts 19 and verse 29 when they were in Ephesus, and an angry mob didn't like the gospel, and they, and they uh, seized uh, poor Aristarchos uh, and, and beat him up. Later, he accompanied Paul uh, on his third missionary journey. Uh, journey. And also, when Paul did his appeal to Caesar, uh, Aristarchos was there with him. And Paul describes him as a co-worker um, and a fellow prisoner with whom he receives great comfort. And it's interesting, you think, you know, you hear this word co-worker, and I, and I always try to translate things into our own language. And one thing that language is, is interesting is, is, is adjectives that people use to describe like their relationship with somebody. Like there's, there's people at, you, at your work who, you know, who work at the same place as you that you wouldn't describe as a coworker, right? Right? I mean, there's people who may show up. There may be people who, who their time clock has the same amount of hours as you, but they're not a coworker. You're not. You're, there's not a you know a cohesiveness. There's there's not this this bonding together where you're working together for one common purpose. But his words here is, hey, he is a co-worker, a co-laborer, somebody who who is who is come alongside me, and we are working together shoulder to shoulder to achieve the same goal. And the interesting thing about Aristarchos is, is this, that, that he continued to do this long after Paul was martyred. In fact, in fact uh, Christian tradition says that Aristarchos was martyred in Rome uh, under Emperor Nero because of his faith. And this is someone who never gave up the fight, that he was a co-worker uh, in, in, in proclaiming the gospel. And you know what? There are people that we know in this day and age that we, you know, that that legacy has been extended, that these people that, that we can hold up and look and say, you know what? These people never gave up. They never relented. That they they kept on 
being bold for the gospel. And they would suffer for the gospel or they would be imprisoned for the gospel. But they were willing to suffer because the gospel was their passion. Mark, uh, who's the cousin of Barnabas, there's some mix on who people think Mark is. Some, this particular Mark. Um, some think that, uh, uh, that it's just easily the, it's the Mark who, uh, John Mark, who wrote the gospel according to Mark. And uh, uh, some of the scholars that, that, that I trust uh, actually don't think that that's the case because um, that Paul makes a distinction here and says, hey, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And probably some of the best writings in this uh, is Heopolitus, uh, who wrote a book on the 72 disciples uh, that, that Jesus commissioned and kind of tells their life story. And, and he talks about, about uh, this Mark, who was the cousin of Bar- Barnabas and who eventually became the bishop of actually the, the area. And uh, he was actually in prison with Paul when Paul wrote the, the four epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. And he, uh, uh, he was the one who uh, was part of this process. And I think it's interesting to think like, you know, these, these different people, you know, that, you know, when, when we're writing like for the e-news or we're writing different stuff, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll say something or I'll actually, uh, Mona Lewis will, will edit something for me and, 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 and change things. Or I'll ask somebody, you know, what do you think about this word? Or they'll ask me, what do you think about that word? And it kind of changes. And even though their name isn't, necessarily on the on the byline their their fingerprints are all over all over it and again we have a a a, a an example of here's yet another person who was faithful who was part of it who was in the trenches and in in bringing forward the church and maybe you know we don't know a whole lot about them we have all been impacted by them Next, he gets to uh, a co-worker, and, you know, his, his name, you know, birth name was Jesus, you know, and if you're, you know, it's kind of a rough, you know, it's hard to live up to that, so they would call him Justice, right? And, uh, uh, you know, he, he sends his, his greetings, and, and, you know, we don't really know much about, about him except that he talks to him as, as he was also a co-worker and a co-laborer. And, and again, don't know a lot about him. We do know that, that in church history that some people uh, think that he became an elder or a bishop of the area uh, later on, but not a whole lot is known about him. In verse 12, we get to the guy that we have talked about throughout this uh, journey, Epaphras. And, he, you know, he's saying, look, hey, you know, you know this guy because he planted, he planted your church. And he was a co-worker of Paul. And remember, we talked about Epaphras, who probably came to faith in Ephesus uh, uh, under Paul. And he was this evangelist. In fact, uh, they, they 
they point to Epaphras as the person who, you know, he planted the church in Colossae, but, but also in Laodicea and Heropolis. And, and he was kind of uh, overseeing all of these things. And Paul says some very interesting things about Epaphras. He calls him this. He says, a beloved servant. He also calls him a faithful minister of Christ. And he also calls him a servant of Christ. And the, the servant of Christ, this is an interesting title. Paul doesn't bestow this title on anybody else in the New Testament except Timothy, one of his, his prodigies, one of his, uh, his mentorees. And, uh, you know, this time that Epaphras was with Paul, you know, is just uh, this rich time that these two men uh, just probably just fed off one another and encouraged one another. And maybe you're more like an, an, an Epaphras that, that, hey, you know what? You, you are out there and you are, you are creating, you know, gospel communities, you know, in, in homes and small groups and wherever you are, that, that you are just this faithful minister of Christ and, and a beloved fellow servant of everyone around you. And, and just you are this, this woman or, or man that is just steadfast in their commitment to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The next uh, person that he talks about is, is uh, the Apostle Luke. And uh, we, all, we all know Luke, uh, you know, the gospel according to Luke, that Luke was uh, a Gentile, that, that he wasn't one of the original twelve but we know from Luke's writings that, that uh, he was a fully devoted follower of Christ and also extremely meticulous. Uh, in, his, in his Gospels, he brings in some things about, about Jesus and the Gospel that, that aren't in the other Gospels that are very important. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, he really uh, uh, brings out our call to love people not only as people groups, but as uh, individuals, to love people who are social outcasts, to take care of, uh, of widows and children, to uh, have um, social relationships, uh, especially uh, being societally uh, interested in the, in the case of orphans and uh, poverty. He also puts a lot of stress on prayer and the Holy Spirit, and really uh, talks a lot about, about joyfulness and, and praising Jesus. That, um, that he goes through, and, and he brings in a lot of different aspects. And maybe, maybe you're, you know, more like a Luke, not that you're going to write, you know, a, an additional book for the Bible or a gospel account or something, but but maybe you have a fresh perspective, a, a fresh revelation that 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 you that uh, or a, a part of the gospel that that is really passionate in your heart, and and you want to proclaim it and 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 bring others along with you and like don't forget this part of the gospel. This part of the gospel uh, of of loving, you know, your neighbors yourself, or or to make sure that we're looking out for the downtrodden, or or whatever uh, that might be for you. Now, I accidentally I made a big mistake in your fridge fold, 
uh, I actually put uh, Demas uh, under the apostle. He should have been under the wanderer. Now, unfortunately, this is the reality of the church. Demas, uh, uh, in, this, in this epistle, that, that Paul, the Paul talks about him and saying, hey, you know, Demas is here and he's working and everything. But later on in 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 10, he tells about how Demas leaves the ministry and, and, and leaves being a fellow worker for the cause of Christ because of the lures of the world. He des- uh, Paul says he deserted him because of his love for the present world. And maybe you're right there this morning. Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't want to suffer for the gospel. I don't want to start gospel communities. I, don't, I just, I just want to have fun. Or I just, I just want this, or I just want that, or that looks like it's, it's, it's more entertaining, or will, will soothe my, my hurt inside better than, than what I'm experiencing now. Unfortunately, there's a lot more Demases than, than we like to think. And I think all of us have a tendency to wander sometimes, to lose our first love, to allow our eye to be taken off of our first love, who is Jesus Christ. And that's why times like this of uh, Holy Week as we're entering into and Good Friday service that we're having on Friday, brilliant. And, uh, and then our Easter celebration on Sunday are so important to remind us of, of our first love, of how great our God is. The next, the next one, um, uh, Nympha, is, is actually uh, quite a bit of a controversial character, not in her time, but later on. When the, when the uh, translators of the new, uh, of, not the new, the, the King James Version uh, of the Bible translated her name, and I'll just read the, the passage. Uh, Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to, and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. They actually um, translated it to the, to the masculine form of Nympha, to Nympha S. And uh, because they didn't like the idea of a female pastor pastoring a home church. And uh, the New King James Version corrected that, but um, but you know she's kind of been this this controversial character that that it's like okay you know what do we what do we do with with the female pastor and you know I and a lot of kind of a how uh, negatively view uh, female pastors and female leaders in the church comes a lot from these early translations where, where they purposely, you know, changed what, what was clear in, in, the, in the manuscripts, which is a real no-no. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and, and fortunately, uh, the truth has come out, and, and we know the, 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 the leadership and influence of, of women in the Bible like, like uh, Priscilla and, and uh, Nympha, 
uh, who, who, you know, she was, she, she led a, a community in her home. And, and Paul said, hey, you know what? I want, I want her, you know, her to be acknowledged in this, in this letter as, as somebody who is legitimately part of the gospel and, and, and forwarding it. And then finally, we come to Archippus, and uh, he's a, he's an interesting he's an interesting character, and I think that a lot of us can can relate with Archippus because of uh, uh, something Paul says. And obviously, I'm going to speculate a little bit, but if I was writing this letter, uh, the reason I would write something like this: uh, "Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you." is there's a question in my mind that you are going to carry out the, the ministry the Lord gave you, right? I mean, uh, at least I, it, it seems at least reasonable that, that, that um, Archippus is going to need some encouragement here. And, and the reality is all of us need encouragement from, from time to time. That, that, you know what? You know, Christ says, you know what? Pick up your cross and follow me. He's not, you know, using that image as, as like, hey, it's going to be easy. Hey, pick up your cross, you know, pick up a six-pack and come on. No, I mean, it's like, I, I mean, it's this, 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 this image of, of hardship. And, and Paul here is, is encouraging our, uh, Archippus and, and, and encouraging us that each and every one of us have been given a ministry. Each and every one of us have a purpose. Each and every one of us have a responsibility to, to forge our own link to the, to the generations that will follow us. And the better that we are able to do that, the better existence and experience that they are going to have and the stronger foundation that they're going to grow on. Now, I have good news about Archippus because we have the benefit of uh, history, and we know Demas uh, wandered, wandered away. Well, that, well, Archippus did not. According to the 4th century apostolic constitution, good old Archippus was the first bishop of Laodicea. So he uh, not only uh, carried out the ministry that that God gave him, but, but it seems like he grew in his influence and, and became an elder and an overseer and, and made a great impact in the church. And, you know, as we kind of just close out today and, I, and you know, you know kind of climb back down that ladder of, of, you know, trying to pick some of this high, pick, you know, high hanging fruit, that, that, you know, these people are important, just like you are important. And what they did in the first century impacts what we are doing in the 21st century. And what you do in the 21st century is going to impact those who come after us. What you do matters. And maybe you're like, a, maybe you're like Tichikos or Onesimus uh, who, who are a helper, Maybe you're the mortar of the church. Maybe you're like Arstarkos or Mark, uh, the cousin of Barnabas, um, who, you know what? You're willing to suffer for the gospel. You're willing to do with less. 
You're, you're, you're willing to, uh, uh, you know, work long hours or, or, you know, whatever. Maybe you just, you have that within you and maybe you are like them. Maybe like justice, you know, maybe you're just kind of this, uh, you know, co-worker, you know, just coming alongside pastors and, and, and the artists and, 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 and just, you know what, you, you may not, you know, be on stage, but, but you know what, you're there and every bit as important as, as everybody else in doing what God has called you to do. Maybe you are like uh, Epaphras who, who is just great at, at forming faith communities where there are none. You know, maybe at, at Red Eye that, that you're sitting there and, and, and in a non-obnoxious way, in a relational way, you're able to uh, grow conversations and, and, um, and, and lead them like Jesus did at the well, lead them into eternal conversations. Or maybe, you know, you're like a proclaimer of the gospel like Luke. You know, hopefully, you know, that you're not like Demas, you know, who, who's a wanderer. And maybe today is just kind of a, a wake-up calling, just like, whoa, you know what? I am dangerously close to wandering out of, of just my calling and to never be heard of again. Or maybe, you know, you're a shepherd like Nympha, who who, you know, maybe a growth group or a Bible study or something like that, that, you know, you're just shepherding a smaller group of people. Or maybe you just need to be commissioned like Archippus and just be reminded, hey, you know what? Be faithful and complete the mission that God has entrusted to you. I hope Going through this letter of Colossians has been fruitful. I didn't even mean to do that, but uh, uh, and hopefully today has been fruitful. And and uh, uh, again, you know what? There's so there's so much richness in, in Scripture, and as we take the time to to learn who these people are, to to you know, as much as is recorded to, to say, you know what, I identify with that. I identify with the wandering or I identify with the needing of encouragement or, you know what, it's great to be, you know, a coworker, and I don't have to be, you know, the Rick Warren or whatever, that, that I, can, I can be part of, of, of the story of God and what I do is every bit as important and as critical uh, for the furthering of the kingdom of God as, as what anybody else is doing. And I need to be a faithful servant of Christ. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this time up in the trees. <laughs> and, uh, and I just pray that... Uh, I just pray that we were able to make a connection point uh, at some point that will help us make further connections into the future. God, I just pray for anyone who is a wanderer right now, that you will just make them feel at home to just speak deep into their heart and deep into their soul and mind that 
they are home and that you want to just be with them and be in relationship with them. God, I just pray that anyone who needs encouragement in ministry right now, that they got it today. That you know what? Yeah, ministry is hard. Ministry is not just always up and to the right. But there are dips and there's times where we get shook to the very fabric of our soul and our being. And God, I just pray that the justices and the, the Onesimuses and, and all the others come around in, the, in those moments and, and like they did for Moses holding up his arms, that we will hold each other up. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.